Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Edging on Doug, a podcast where three residents of Bluffton analyze and dissect Doug's first movie in 10-minute intervals. This uh, episode is our third episode where we'll analyze minutes 20 to 30, and I am Drew. I am Sam. And I'm Adam. And today we get uh, what is simultaneously the most boring and most exciting, <laughs> most interesting 10 minutes of the movie, I think. I can't believe they managed to pull that one off. But yeah, it's the damnedest thing. Should we just go ahead and like give off the big plot point right here? There's an actual freaking lake monster. That's, the monster that's... is real and it knows where they live. <laughs> it, it's so da, hard. Da, it's da, a... da, da, da. Plenty happens. It's, it's, not, it's not as though there's not anything to talk about. There definitely is. But where to begin when i'm talking about the boredom i'm talking about that that big old five minute chunk in the middle where they decide to go looking for a monster and just be idiots for five minutes just belaboring the fact that we know there's gonna be a monster yeah they're not gonna cock tease us like that about a monster especially not in doug's first movie no no i personally prefer his third movie doug's big move Don't you tease me with doing Max Keeble's big move on this on this podcast, Samuel? I I would be oh, down dude. the clown. You want to talk about cock tease? Oh my god! Name <laughs> the freaking movie is a lie. I, I I want to point out here just a bit of a side note that uh, the game of tic tac toe on Peter's um, <laughs> bed. What the fuck is X is doing there? Like I I mean for real, they're just toying, just toying with. Oh, did, did you see that? They had two ways they could have won. They just kept. I what I don't even know what O was doing. They were on something, uh, just playing against a child and trying to make him feel good. I don't know, but that was a whack ass game of tic tac toe. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you noticed that uh, the tic tac toe bed sheets too, because what 14 or 15 year old kid does not have tic tac toe bed sheets? I still have mine personally. Yeah, these animators sure know what uh, what teenage boys are into. Speaking of teenage boys, our scene begins with Patty Mayonnaise calling Skeeter's house. But Doug happens to pick up, and so Patty's like, Oh, hi, Doug. Is, uh, <laughs> is, is Skeeter there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys thought that was weird, too, because I, it never really occurred. I've seen this movie I don't know, maybe five or six times in my life, it never ever occurred to me that she called Skeeter's house <laughs> and just never wanted to talk to Skeeter. Just like I, I, you could probably make the argument that you know they're kids; they're always at each other's houses. But I mean, it was also like it had to be nine o'clock at night. It's this, it's the damnedest thing. Skeeter, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing those pretty pink panties you made me wear all day at school, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Patty is such. She's like on the prowl. I bet she's calling every man's house in the middle of the night in Bluffton to make sure that they're all obeying. I think I, I, I think I think the reason that this episode or this ten minute chunk was so slow was because there was a severe and criminal lack of Roger and Guy Graham. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, not one appearance. Also, I I want to point out that this uh this monster being real thing also throws a whole nother wrench into the plot where now doug has yet one more uh what do you say competitor for patty's heart <laughs> she'll fuck anything the monster's real oh no i <laughs> hope he doesn't ask patty the big dance <laughs> <laughs> well I, I guess we kind of gave the spoiler away right out of the get-go so let's just kind of walk through 
what leads us to this discovery. I'm glad that you bring that up because uh, Patty's call, it's not just a regular social call. Uh, she's got big news to tell Doug, and that's that uh, she and Guy Graham, they're having a gay old time having built, making the, the Valentine's dance, the bee's knees. But uh, Guy Graham managed to negotiate with rich man Bill Bluff in order to get the, the dance uh, approved to be held where, Sam? Funky Town. I'm sorry, Sam, but you're incorrect. They're going to Fucky Town. <laughs> she is she is not pronouncing that N. I have listened to this probably six times and I've never heard her pronounce the N. I, I disagree. Mm. I think it's I think she's saying Funky Town. Liar. I was hoping it would be. Patty makes a, a date with Douglas to go meet at, and I quote, Swirlies in an hour to talk about mm. the dance and Doug's big news. Uh, then Skeeter comes in and says possibly the funniest line of the movie. Hey, if the monster likes eating bikes, he probably likes cafeteria food. Hold for applause and laughter. <laughs> that was one of the one lines I missed, apparently, and I'm, I'm not disappointed. I'm not upset. Honestly, I think I got a better viewing experience for it. We've got an airline food joke in Doug's first movie. <laughs> Doug is uh, actually... I, I know you're talking about before, Drew, how uh, it's based off the creator's kind of like real life experiences. Of course, Doug being created by Jerry Seinfeld, as we all know. <laughs> and actually, uh, uh, interestingly, on that note, uh, <laughs> Patty Mayonnaise is, is in high school, the story, but actually uh, they aged Doug down. It's based on Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, when he was an adult dating high schoolers. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. still in there. We might have to. <laughs> no, he did it. Yeah, it's, it's true. What? Yeah, it's 100% true. Yeah, Jerry, I, I believe, wasn't his wife in high school when Seinfeld started? Or was she just 18 still? Uh, <clears throat> I don't but, but after Doug, after Skeeter delivers that humdinger of a line, uh, Doug looks outside to see their bikes are back. Uh, and not only are their bikes back, but they've been accompanied by a set of webbed footprints. Which and means they were brought back by Doug's neighbor, Monster Feet Joe. The great thing about this is that I, oh uh, yeah, the, the great thing about this is that uh, I, I forgot I, I have not seen this movie in a long time. I forgot the monster was real, and so the whole time I was going, yeah, whatever. It's just some idiot monster. It's probably Roger and Monster Shoes. Like, oh, I, well, I forgot. See, I never Doug noticed. Follows exists in an interesting universe. I've I never noticed before. <laughs> the 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 monster feet prints i thought i just always assumed they were like going to a different door of the house no the monster circles around and goes back into the door that they left from that they were standing right in front of so this monster ninja his way into their house you know sam uh you said something that uh piqued my curiosity you said what an interesting world doug lives in and uh, we've already discussed this at, at length. What a mundane Doug lives in, but also there just happens to be a fucking lake monster. Yeah, th it's just, uh, there's no rules here. Well, because I mean, there's also Mr. Dink, who follows, <laughs> uh, and I guess this might be an oyster spoiler, but yeah, baby, Dinkster's here. Yeah, Dink, Dink is here, baby. Mr. Dink makes his first appearance this episode. Thank goodness. And yeah, he just oh. exists in his own fantasy realm. Clearly not a creature existing in our reality. Don't get your hopes up because he has about five minutes of screen time in this whole movie. Oh. 
Sorry to cut. And we've already used up four of those. Yeah, we got another minute of whatever the meatloaf joke was. I was going to say, this as long as we get more tippy dink. Because the one thing that always stands in Doug is that the most interesting characters are anyone's except for the main characters. <laughs> so after realizing that uh, there's a monster that snuck into their house, mm-hmm. <laughs> always mm-hmm. in full monster gear, complete with a trash can, a football helmet, um, you know, the works. And a welding mask. Welding mask. They walk in yeah, the front Monster door, hunting gear. Monster mm-hmm. hunting gear. The, the, the staples. They walk in the front door, knock over a lamp, and somehow just destroying one lamp shuts down the power to the whole neighborhood. I didn't catch that. <laughs> Shit. I'm but not... only for like 10 minutes as we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one of the, the best things about Bluffton. Bluffton? Yeah. Bluffville? Bluffton? Bluffton. Bluffington? Bluffington. See... We did all this deep diving uh, research into the lore of all the side characters, but we don't know where the hell we are. Bluffton. You know, it's Bluffton. Bluffington, Bluffington West Virginia. <laughs> Bluffington. Bluffton must have a really tight uh, electric... Fuck, I don't even know what the word is. Tight electric grid. <laughs> yeah, oh, Bluff yeah. City. They're so tight at Bluff City, bro. <laughs> they keep that grid 100, baby. Hmm. But but anyway, as Adam was saying about the Bluffburg electronic grid, uh, then Skeeter and Doug just sort of futz around a bit. They they trip over themselves, and then uh, mm. a, mo- a lake monster just appears in Skeeter's bedroom. But he's a nice lake monster, I guess. Yeah, he's... and that's... <sighs> can we just keep calling... Conflict over. Can we, can we just keep calling Bluffton different names, like New Bluff City? Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. I think that's fun. So uh, they decide that the monster is not ill-tempered, ill-mannered. Yeah. But instead, he only wants to love. And the the big dummy doesn't know how to read. Ha, he too dumb. He don't know how book works. No, no, not true. He grabs a book, perhaps out of pure animal instinct, and Skeeter proclaims, look, he can read. (laughs) And then the monster presents his thesis on the works of Herman Melville. (laughs) And this causes Doug and Skeeter to call him Herman Melville. Skeeter walked into my kitchen one time while I was making a microwave burrito. He said, wow, he can cook. I'm going to call him Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <sighs> this is a, but an no, interesting crossover. I never, I never thought I would see Herman Melville, acclaimed writer, make an appearance on Doug in any shape or form. Yeah, the, an, an interesting reference. <laughs> Kids I, love Herman Melville. I I thought it was very brave portraying him as the blue monster that we all know he was meant to be portrayed as in Hollywood. <laughs> true, true. But what 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 grinds my gears about that scene is uh is the lake monster grabs this book, Herman Melville's Moby Dick, and he starts trying to eat it, and Skeeter says, No, stop trying to eat Herman Melville. Like it's Moby <laughs> Dick, bro. Yes. That book is Moby Dick. That's nothing. That is nothing. But like I, I've heard a lot of literary professors call text by their by the author's name. Is Skeeter maybe a genius? <laughs> hmm. I, don't know, I don't know what that slurping sound was. Sam, are you drinking something? I got yeah, I got some Die Mountain Dew. That was some good ambiance. Oh, yeah. Whatever that was, that was the perfect slurp. 
Oh, it was another big slurp. Speaking of slurps, I got to go back. I had another note from earlier when the boys were eating those delicious looking cartoon cookies. Oh, yeah. The the dubbing of their eating noises that the actors are doing is probably the worst I've ever heard. They're going, oh, no, man. The monster in the lake. <laughs> it's seems a bit unlikely, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, it doesn't mean anything, but it's awful. Shame on it. But you. yeah, b- because the lake monster tried to eat Herman Melville, Doug and Skeeter proclaimed that his name should be Herman Melville, and then they laugh. Oh, no, 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 because he reacts to it, which they don't proclaim he should be Herman Melville. They proclaim that he is Herman Melville because he reacts when they say Herman Melville. React, therefore I am Herman Melville. I want Herman Melville. Herman Melville has a reaction YouTube channel. One, one time I walked up behind Adam and said, Hey asshole! And he turned around and I've all I've called him ever since then. Oh fuck. He you. reacted. It's his real name. <laughs> yeah, that, that does bring up an interesting discussion. They could have said, I cunt. He looked up and then that would have <laughs> been his name. I love what British Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Aussie <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Don't mess with the peaky fucking blinders, Herbie Belfield. Oh, I just I I'm so excited to talk about Mr. Dink. I don't want Me to too. cut to it, but well, there's really nothing else that happens. <laughs> the whole scene is so nothing. That's kind of really all there is. Oh, interesting uh, bit of trivia, although not entirely. Herman Melville <laughs> is what the grunts and the groans are actually voiced by legendary voice actor Frank Welker. Oh. Famous for, I don't know, like Scooby Doo and shit. I, I just had an epiphany. What's that? What's that? The lake monster has the most normal name out of any character in Doug so far. Oh, no. I guess Roger is all right. I don't know what his last name is yet. Roger Klotz. Uh, yeah, that's, pre- that's pretty all right. I think Herman Melville, though, has just about the most normal name out of anyone in the Doug universe. Yeah, but the he Doug-verse. stole it, though. He the stole D-verse. that name. He was given that name forcefully. That was his God-given name, Adam. You saw he reacted to it. From the moment he was born, he knew one thing, and that was that his name was Herman Melville. And he eat yummy book. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on, I got it. But the boys, with the discovery of the century of this lake monster... They decide to do the only sane thing of uh, going to the only adult they can trust, uh, Doug's mm. weird next-door neighbor, Mr. Dink. No, no, they go for his wife, Mayor Tippy, who is the mayor of Bluff, New Bluff City. Yeah. Um, they go in, intentionally seeking out his wife, but are ambushed, ambushed by the criminal, Mr. Dink. No, no, they don't, because they once they get there, they ask Mr. Dink if he can put this in the paper. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Which brings me yeah, to a... an inconsistency I'd like to ask about Mr. Dink's character. Does he run the paper? Because you'd think from the way they were saying that, he'd be like a prominent figure at the Bluffvale Gazette. But then later he has to call the newspaper office and ask them... If they can print this story? See, I think what's going on is they see him as a zany but trustworthy adult figure who has <clears> adult-like <throat> influences. 
not so much that they think he runs the paper or has control of the paper. I think it's just that he is more inclined to believe and relate to their story. He has the responsibility of an adult, of an adult but still has that sense of childlike spontaneity. <laughs> <laughs> like Roger. Exactly. Roger so Doug throws him in the Oculus Rift zone. <laughs> or Mr. Dink, sorry. Mr. Dink throws him in the VR zone. Did he invent virtual reality? Yeah, he actually wrote Lawnmower Man. <laughs> I, I actually kind of like this joke where Doug and Skeeter go in to Mr. Dink's house and uh, he instantly gives them VR goggles in his living room and they enter a virtual reality space of his living room and then they say, wow, it's like we're just in your living room. <laughs> and what does he say, Adam? Pass. Sam? I can't remember the exact line. I'm terrible at remembering exact lines. Uh, and then uh, Doug says, it's just like we're in your living room. And then Mr. Dink says, that's because we are in my living room, Douglas, <laughs> but this is much more expensive. Wow, you just cherry-picked uh, you just cherry-picked words from the entire quote just to fit a narrative. Sounds like a major news organization that we all know and love. <sighs> we just derailed our train. We're on a roll. Before- Unfortunately, we can't put the news of the monster in the newspaper because Bill Bluff, that capitalist fuck, will never allow it. Bill Bluff, who everything in Bluffburg is named after, He's apparently the, owns the Doug the Dividome of this universe. I like that they describe it in a way that um, if word gets out that he's polluting a lake, that he will take extreme measures, which is we'll find out that he definitely does. But I, she just assumes. I was doing a little research, and uh, for a mass pollution of this kind would run you at about a $250,000 fine and maybe possible jail time. But this guy is a multimillionaire who, who runs the town. Is he, He's not the mayor. No, she's the mayor. But He runs the town financially from the sidelines. <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre that this is where we're going. And this is this would be his motivation, with a corporate pollution suit. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand. That would be a political movie. <laughs> oh, it. We got a little bit of a taste of that right in the last couple minutes, mm. where uh, it's. It, I gotta say though, in all honesty, I think it is at least interesting, although not done entirely well. It's interesting to see a kids' movie about how the uber rich will silence whistleblowers. now that you mentioned it (laughs) I personally thought it was very brave of them uh, portraying Mr. Bluff uh, responding to these accusations by uh, starting his own space program to just shoot himself into space until the the charges (laughs) cool down it's getting a little too hot for me in the big city of Bluffinville <laughs> yeah, so thankfully Mayor Tippy talks him out of uh reporting the monster to the paper and getting his ass handed to him by uh Bill Bluff. So uh instead they do the next most logical thing and they disguise the monster and bring them back to their house for some reason. And uh they choose to disguise him in the most subtle way you could possibly disguise. You know, they just brought their uh pop in a diving diving suit. Walk him on home and uh because, you know, the mom would be way less suspicious about the guy in the diving suit that you're just walking home with. Lucky for them, though, their parents are just absolutely stupid. Mm. Uh, they assume that it's uh, Doug's older sister, who we've, yet, who we've yet to be introduced to, Judy, 
mm. who is apparently very in touch with the arts. They, yeah, they yell at them for dragging mud through the house, thinking that Judy is this giant monster in a in a diving costume. And Doug's mom's voice is nails oh. on a chalkboard through this entire scene. I'm glad you said it because I I wrote it down. Oh, <laughs> is she gonna? Where's on the carpet? I can't even get that high. It's super high. It's so shrill and it's unnecessarily shrill. <laughs> It it sounds like someone doing a voice. And then Doug's simple father walks in and says, Ah, it sounds like Doug's finally learned some responsibility, cleaning up after his messes. <laughs> Such a simple little old man. I hate him. Maybe you'll finally stop picking up those socks you keep leaving around the house. <laughs> Always one sock. But that's the end of our ten minutes. So back to the, the scene where uh, Mr. Dink and Mayor Tippy are talking with the boys about this problem. First of all, they take they hid Herman Melville in what looks like a nuclear bunker that's right outside of Mr. Dink's house. And they didn't leave him there for some reason. <laughs> not, only yeah. that, not only that, the part I found funny is that they have access to Mr. Dink's nuclear bunker to put him in there <laughs> for the big reveal. Well, you two kids look like you're gonna do a good job, enough job raising the monster. So why don't you take them off me and my responsible wife's hands? Mister D, didn't you, didn't you build that shelter just to hold monsters? Yeah, what of it? It's very expensive. <laughs> where did the another thing is? Where did the pollution angle come from? Because Skeeter and Doug have never like commented or noticed that there's pollution in the lake. And Herman Melville certainly didn't tell them, but sure, sure as rain, Mayor Tippy is suddenly like, "Ah, oh, this pollution story, and that Mister Bluff is behind it." It sounds like uh, Tippy Dink just hates Mister Bluff. <laughs> they've just got they've just got long lasting beef. It's it's not uncommon for uh, new species to appear in areas that they haven't been seen before. I don't know why she just automatically assumes that it's due to pollution. She's not a scientist. They did not send him to a lab. There is no reason to assume that he just comes from pollution, much less the fact that Doug and Skeeter never mentioned pollution or even knew of the pollution problem. Counterpoint, it is literally a monster. <laughs> a literal actual ass lake monster. They call him a monster, but like he could just be an alligator who evolved to walk around and read book. <laughs> they call him a monster, but really, he's just Herman Melville. We're the real monsters. Sam Sandberg is a good point where what the hell is Herman Melville? Herman Melville is Herman Melville. D d was he born from parents who were just two Herman Melvilles? Are there multiple Herman Melvilles? He spontaneously generated from the polluted lake. He's Tippy and Mr. Dink's illegitimate son. <laughs> <laughs> they threw him in the lake and he adapted that lake. Mr. Dink seems somewhat unsurprised, like, less surprised than he should be. I'm going to guess that Mr. Dink has some sort of hand in this. I also think it might be entirely plausible. I mean, that lake monster looks like it'd be very expensive. I'm, I'm actually beginning the thought of, why didn't they make the monster fake in this movie? That's what I think any other kid's movie would do. That 
the kids are just mistaken. And so I just had the thought, what if it was Mr. Dink that they just kept on attributing all these things to? What if he picked up their bikes from the swamp <laughs> and just brought them back, but he was wearing like some stupid monster shoes? No, 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 no. Have it end with, he just takes his shoes off and he just has webbed toes. <laughs> oh, and I never tell you boys. The, di- the dinner scene, we call it the dinner scene because it culminates in Mayor Tippy and Mr. Dink sitting down to supper with a Herman Melville, Doug, and Skeeter. And at this point, it is probably 10 p.m., but they're sitting down to a nice meatloaf dinner. I don't know if the animators have ever seen what a meatloaf looks like, but it's not jello. Although it does look tasty, I will say that. Mm-hmm. Meat flavored jello. The conversation at the dinner scene is particularly awful to me because there are so many cuts that show like time is passing, but the characters are responding to what the person said before the cut. So it's like they sit down to dinner and Mayor Tippy's like, Bill Bluff is going to cancel the story. And then it cuts to them washing the dishes and Doug says, so what are we going to do then? And she's like, we need to have a press conference as if they just ate the rest of their meal, got up and started doing dishes and Doug's stupid dum-dum brain just now processed what she said. Well, he was he was having a quail man uh, scenario play out in his head. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that there are multiple quail man scenarios going on in his head and the animators just spared us from them. Yeah, I like the idea that there's stuff going on in Doug's head that we're not privy to. Like there's more happening there. Like there's, there's this some scenes where he's just kind of staring off in the distance. You don't know he's having an, it, it, he, there's just a, a scene later on in the movie. Doug is just looking in the distance and he turns back and goes, wow, there'd be nothing worse than if a meteor crashed into the dance. Like Doug? What Doug? I don't think we've ever addressed that. He's just doing this all for the prestige of one upping guy Graham yet either. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just brushed off. To be fair to us, like it's mentioned in like the opening phone call and then he just says, Oh man, this monster finding a monster is cooler than going into a dance or whatever the whatever the hell his piece of shit said. <laughs> yeah, Doug doesn't care about Herman Melville. He cares about getting into Patty's pants. Fan a monster, Doug. That's hot. That's so hot, Doug. Find more monsters and let me watch. Oh, no. Anything else to add for this 10 minutes? This is kind of a nothing part. I mean, as, as we said at the beginning, so much happened, yet so little happened. Yeah, it, it has very high highs, but the lows are god-awful. Like Drew was saying earlier, like with that, that weird passage of time over the dinner scene, that is nothing. See, if you would sum this scene up as, uh, if you if you'd write the summation of this, it'd basically be they find the monster and decide they can't report it to the paper, which sounds, oh yeah, that sounds like a good 10 minutes. And you realize that both of those realizations uh, account for about 30 seconds of the entire 10 minutes. The rest of it is entirely filler, yeah. <laughs> so, the monster's real. Okay, let's dick around for a little bit. Well, we, I guess we got to keep the monster. Okay, cool. So yeah, Mayor Tippy is going to call a, an entire press conference at uh, her residence where Doug is going to reveal Herman Melville to the worldwide news here in Bluff City. But uh, until then, they need a safe place to hide the monster. So yeah, this leads to Doug dressing up the monster in a diving suit and taking him up to his room instead of them stashing him in the Mr. Dink's nuclear bunker. <laughs> I'll just leave the responsibility of this monster to these children. Don't tell your parents, kids. <laughs> I'll let you see my super special bunker. Just don't tell your parents. If your boys come home, 
now I can't stop thinking about the the plausibility that it is the the illegitimate offspring of Tippy and, and uh, Bud. Oh, I'm, I almost said it again. <clears throat> the guy, it's hard just to call him Tippy and Bud because he's Mr. Dink. Yeah, Tippy and Mr. Dink. The Mrs. Yeah. Miss, Mrs. Mayor and Mr. Dink. Tippy sounds stupid. I, I hate that name. <laughs> oh, your feelings. You've been nothing but trouble for me this entire freaking recording. You're dressed like that guy from the Hide Your Kids, Hide Your Wife video. <laughs> oh no! He's climbing in your windows and he's snatching your children up. Alright everybody, thank you for joining us for this 10 minute increment and make sure to come back next week when we tackle minutes 30 to 40 in Doug's first movie. Until then, I've been Drew. I have been Sam. And I've been Adam. Keep it fresh. Keep it stinky. But most importantly... Keep it in your pants. That was Edging on Doug. New episodes released every Friday. Tune in next week to hear us continue to talk about Doug's first movie in 10-minute increments. Be sure to like and follow to avoid being dugged. The Edging on Podcast is a podcast started by Sam featuring Drew and Adam. Original music created by Sam featuring outro theme, family album by Waverider. Rider. 